Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network and wherever podcasts may be found. Because I'm thrilled I've got Lils and David Allen P. It's unique that you see we're talking about Documentary Now co-op and I ran out of lyrics and I'm about to shit my pants. And the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige. <laughs> we're talking about Documentary Now co-op for my birthday month. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Bozarts under scaffolding. Co-op. The staff can't do anything. Co-op. But they might still strive this spring. That's the gossip at the mail drop. Here in our co-op. Tear me apart, Lisa! We're jumping out of a building! Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. Welcome, Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Curlin, and we have a uh, trifecta of myself and two other people celebrating my birthday month with me. So we're talking about uh, from this year, from February, Documentary Now Co-op, the original cast album. I got on my right. Introduce yourself as I point to you. I'm Lils Martin. Can a bitch get a donut? <laughs> That's my thing. I've got catchphrases. Where's Lil's Martin? I got that bitch a donut. <laughs> and on my left, uh, David Allen Prescott. I don't have a catchphrase. That's my catchphrase. That's a pretty good catchphrase. <laughs> so we're talking about um, we're talking about the John Mulaney written episode of Documentary Now. If you don't know Documentary Now, it is one of my favorite TV series like of all time. But that's because, like, I'm a huge film nerd and I love documentaries. Mm-hmm. And they're making fun of, I shouldn't say they're making fun of, they're paying tribute by taking serious documentaries and making them funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is based on uh, the DC Pennebecker, uh, uh, our DA Pennebecker uh, documentary company, an original cast recording. And this is <laughs> RC Barm Gardeners. Yeah. <laughs> co-op the original cast album the names in this episode are really something they're great well so this is a a fake documentarian that they brought back because in season one in the first episode john mulaney ever wrote um the eyes don't lie which is based on the thin blue line they uh called the guy uh oh wait no it's season two i'm sorry it was uh the john mulaney written um 
the bunker, which is based on the war room about when they got Clinton elected president. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, that's where they created R.C. Baumgartner. (laughs) So, David, you're here because I love you. Oh, I love you, too. And Lil's, you're here because I love you, too. Aw. No, but you're both here because uh, your love of musical theater, yes. David, yeah. and your love of music in general, yeah. and your love of John Mulaney, I everyone mean, around. Uh, yeah. yeah. No? <gasps> I li- I mean, I like John Mulaney. I wouldn't say I love him on the level that you guys do, clearly. Okay. okay. Right. right. On the musical theater point, like when we were watching it... Um, like the whole time, I could tell you two were just making all kinds of like, this is a reference to this musical, this oh, is a reference to that musical. Well, and I was the, just sitting on the side, just like, I'm happy to I, be here. <laughs> I was just over here, like, I like records. <laughs> well, they're all supposed to be songs from Company, right? Or Sondheim songs. And um, so the episode is about the cast recording of Co op the Musical, which is written by. Uh, Broadway legend Simon Sawyer, mm-hmm. played by John Mulaney, who is being Stephen Sondheim. Right. And he does the greatest Stephen Sondheim impression without doing Stephen Sondheim. Right. Um, because if you don't know Stephen Sondheim, he's kind of a gruff grizzly bear. He's not a prick, but he 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 knows what's right for mm-hmm. his stuff. The the vibe I got from John Mulaney's character was persnickety. Yes, right. that that's a great mm-hmm. example. Um, so what I want to see for season four is they bring Simon Sawyer back and they do Sondheim teaches. Have you seen the Sondheim teaches where he he teaches people how to sing his songs? It's like this old. I- I've 70s. heard his album, which is like Sondheim on Sondheim, okay. which is him like singing his own music terribly. So this <clears> is Sondheim teaches is him teaching kids who are in like Broadway musical school, mm-hmm. like how to sing his songs. And he's getting persnickety. Like there is uh, a one girl who's singing, not it, not getting married today. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm, I'm nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. It's so that so that's where Terry Green came from. If you've ever seen Tim and Eric, oh really? I mean, that's the way you're describing it. That sounds like the <laughs> Terry Green acting class sketch. Oh really? I mean, obviously not to that degree, but I totally am getting that. So like, there's a guy who's singing uh, "My Friends" from uh, Sweeney Todd, and he keeps cutting the guy off because he <laughs> clearly fucking hates this guy, <laughs> oh. and he's like. Like he's trying to be nice, and he's like, "No, no, you're singing it wrong." See this one shine, how he smiles in the light, my friend. Okay, now let's start. Now this is a song that let's not do, take any rubato. Let's keep it absolutely rigid to start with. Ja da da da, ja. So it has a trance-like quality. This isn't you're singing to a bunch of razor blades. You're singing to your only friend you have left because your wife is dead and your daughter's dead, but she's alive and you don't know that. <laughs> and these are children he's telling this to. No, they're like 18, oh, 19, okay. 20. Okay. All right, that's different. Yeah. It would be amazing if it was... Just, that's what that's, they should that's do. Oh, my the, God, if it was little kids. That's what the Terry Green sketch was, basically. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Like, that, just Zach Galifianakis being a persnickety acting coach to a bunch of, like, five- and eight-year-olds <laughs> and stuff like that. I think... That would probably be based on like Bob Fosse or David Mamet. I mean, you... it's probably not too far of like a connective tissue between all right. of them, though. Yeah. So if they did 
next season uh, Sawyer on teaching or Sawyer teaches mm-hmm. and they have a little aged up John Mulaney just yelling at people. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. So, so, so long as they brought James Urbaniak back too. <laughs> I don't know who he's supposed to be. Is he supposed to be I think he's just Paul supposed Gimini? to be James Lapine. I think he's just supposed, supposed to be, be James Lapine. Oh, okay. I, I, I think he's just supposed to be the 1970s. No, I I think David's right. I think because he looks be, like the 1970s. I does, think yeah. I think he's supposed to be James Lapine. I think that's who it is. Um, but <laughs> I agree with you because I don't know who that is. James <laughs> Lapine was um, uh, Stephen Sondheim's producing partner, and he was the one who always told him, you know, it would be great a musical about people who tried to assassinate major presidents. And he wrote the books for most of his yeah. stuff. Yeah, like Into the Woods. I know we wrote yeah. something in the park with George. But <laughs> I love Urbaniak. He's like, so Simon and I were walking down the street. And one of <laughs> us said, no, what would be great? Because we saw all of these co-ops. And he's like, you said not me. You and it's that clearly me. that <laughs> Simon Sawyer did not want to write this musical. Right. No, you like that idea. I said it was a terrible idea. Um. So yeah, who wants to get into it? David. Everybody. Yeah. No. So my yeah, my my favorite part is just watching um their version of Stretch, Elaine Stretch. Played by Paula Pell. Doing um the million takes of what was in company, um the ladies Here's to lunch. the Ladies Who Lunch. Yeah. yeah, which really happened. They made her sing it over and over and over again, well into the wee hours of the morning. But wasn't that because she had like polyps on her throat or something? I don't remember what it was. I, I just know the story that they made her do it. I don't know the reason that it was, but um it was she was like the headliner of the show, and so it was this bizarre thing that they forced her to do for hours. Um, and she was majorly pissed off and um, it was just hysterical and just getting to hear their versions of those songs that hearken to them so hysterically. Yeah, we we get to hear six of the songs. We hear co-op, which is clearly company. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear uh, Christmas tips, which I couldn't figure out which song that's supposed to be. Hello, Robbie. Welcome home, mister, and this is, what is this? I'll tell you, this is just a package I've been holding. It's addressed to Mrs. Goldstein. What a co-op, what a lobby. Every slob is acting snobby. But you take a tip from Robbie, you should tip your doorman. Christmas tips, the, the, oh, I don't know what song that's supposed to be either. Because at first I thought it was going to be not getting married today because of the the speedy yeah the reference to speedy dialogue, but then it ended up not being. Then cocaine tonight or holiday party right is not getting married today, and that one is my favorite song. I'm really very sorry that I can't stop talking. I'm so very sorry for my chirping and my squawking, but the fact of the matter is I did a little cocaine tonight. Oh man, here comes Anne. She's the athlete from 12G. She's the knees of the bees, always making eyes at me. Such a dream if I asked her for a dance, but I just blew a rail and I'm gonna shit my pants. I thought it was funny. <laughs> well, Seth Myers wrote that with so John Mulaney wrote all I can't of the follow all these Broadway references. That's okay. John Mulaney wrote all of the songs except for uh Holiday Party Cocaine Tonight. He wrote uh him and Seth Myers wrote that together. 
Ah, because so, so did he write uh, Richard Kind basically slowly degrading into that heart, was, a heart attack? That was all John Mulaney, <laughs> which I want to see. Because that was my favorite song. John Mulaney should write a musical. He really should. Him, If him and Rachel Bloom wrote oh, a musical together, it'd be very good. It'd be the greatest it'd musical. It'd be so good. Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And, okay. Um, friends with Adam Pally. Okay. Um, but yeah, John Mulaney is just fantastic in this. And I think he's going to get nominated for Best uh, Guest Actor on a TV series for an Emmy this year. He's awesome. Um, the the scene that I thought you would like the most is when he when he comes in and he's like, Hi, Dee Dee. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that's been bo- bothering me the entire time, but I'm just going to tell you about it right now. <laughs> now that the show's closed, yeah. just for the recording. <laughs> Which that is based on a true story. Um, one of Sondheim's... The, the ruined part? Uh, that, yes, but him, his show closing as they were recording the album is based on... Ah, uh, yes, you mentioned that when we were watching it. It was merely we roll along. It was, yeah. yeah. That, that must suck. Like, all right, we got three shows this week, and we got to record this album. Guys, your show's closed. What? Oh, oh this is going to be great. Well, now we have nothing. <laughs> I guess right, after the reco- I guess Same. after the recording's over, we all just go into the garage, and <laughs> that's why I think and they stick around the is because they know they have nothing. Room. I'm going to go sit in my car in my garage for a while. Do not with a note on me that says "Do not resuscitate." Um, they all are dressed like the people they're supposed to be playing. Uh, Alex Brightman, who is Beetlejuice on Broadway, but he was also Jack Black in School of Rock. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Dewey Finn. Is that the character from School of Rock? That sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's clearly playing Dean Jones, mm-hmm. who played Bobby. Right. But here he's now called Joey. Right. And uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry is playing Dee Dee. Who is she supposed to be? Is she supposed to be? I don't really know. I, I it feels like very clearly you've got the Bobby and you've got the um, the Joanne, which is Elaine Stritch. Yeah. Um, but then everybody else, it's kind of like I don't really know. I mean, Company has a lot of characters, right? Um, but they don't necessarily have like clear personalities that you'd be like, that's this person. Well, okay. So um, part of the reason why you're also here, Lils, is because of Paula Pell, because you are a Saturday Night Live aficionado and you love Big Mouth. Yeah, I've, I've kind of fallen off with Saturday Night Live in recent years, but... But you, do, you liked do, it when Paula Pell was writing. Yeah, but the, she, she was like writing for much of the seasons that like... Will Forte and like yeah. Bill Hader was just starting to come into his own and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely, I was definitely around for those seasons. And you and also yeah, Paul, love yeah, I, Big I also, Mouth. Oh, yeah. I love Big Mouth. And her and Richard Kine play John Mulaney's parents. Yes. Right. And it, that, that is so great that they're pretty much not even changing their voices. Right. And I had no idea Paula Pell could sing. I got a She's 
got a great voice. I found out later that like she was classically trained or like uh, trained to be like on Broadway and she decided to become a writer instead. And her and Jimmy Fallon would have this bit where they would uh, pretend to be singing into microphones that weren't working. So they're like, so right now what we're going to do is we're going to sing You Don't Bring Me Flowers by Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. And they'd be like, <laughs> Guys, I, I think there's something wrong with the mic. Let me try it. <laughs> you don't bring me flowers. Yeah, there's something wrong with the mic. I mean, I'm not especially surprised that anyone who does voiceover also can sing. John Mulaney like, can't that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of a That's kind of a necessary tool for that sort of thing. Um, John Mulaney and James Urbania can't sing, but Taryn Killam can sing. He's a really good singer. Um, he played King George in Hamilton. I don't know who that is. King George? No, I know who King George is. Oh, Taryn. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my house. I know who that is. No, Taryn Killam played the producer. Sounds like David oh, doesn't okay, know yes, a whole yes. lot yes. about musicals. <laughs> uh, Taryn Killam is married to Colby Smulders, who is Maria Hill and uh the Avengers movies. Okay. And um but he was on SNL. Mm-hmm. And yes. he, yeah. So he can sing. He he um originally I think he was on Mad TV before he was on SNL. He was on Mad TV? Yeah. He's huh. one of the few actors who was on SNL and Mad TV. Dang. Yeah, they always had him play like justin timberlake or this was like he was 16 years old this was before like the mad tv revival right like back when it was actually on the air or this was yeah this was when they um i think he was the same time as uh key and peel ah okay because he was they always so that that probably would have been the revival then no this was still before it got canceled uh i I don't know much 2002 is when he was on Ah, okay oh 2000 Key and Peel was later than 2002. They no when oh, Jordan oh, when they were on that. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Lil's get out of my house. Oh. <laughs> Kicked out again. Oh no! But we add another we still one to the scoreboard. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're keeping score of how many times Scott's kicked us out of his house today. <laughs> get out of my house. And one for me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I loved. Uh. What what were we calling the guy? The guy who kind of looked like French Stewart? Oh, um, I believe I called him, like you called him cheap French Stewart, to which I called him Quebecois Stewart. Yeah. And then I called him Quebecois Stevens because another very <laughs> common last name like Stewart is Stevens. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy, he has one, like two lines in the entire show, but for me, he steals it. He's like, hey, I sat tennis elbow. Do you know where the co-op board is? They meet in the rumpus room. Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's just like one section, like when like the main singer is singing, and you could see him in the background just staring so intently, yeah. like not creepily, but he's just so like they're actually so doing exu- a show, so exuberant, just like yeah, 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 this is my legacy. Versus that, like. 12 year old looking girl who like never does anything even when she's actively singing it's like what is this girl here for oh you mean the girl when uh they're doing the it's new york soap opera the one who's just standing by hi judy (laughs) she's just just always there but she's never in it yeah and she she just basically has like a look on her face where she's like hmm like (laughs) you you know what i bet i bet she's got 
She's got a gig after this, I bet. <laughs> She's right. a day player. I'm just a like, day player. Because, uh, like, I don't think she reacts at all also when they learn that it's been canceled. Right. No, she doesn't. She's like, I've it's already like, been can- asked to go can- audition for the color purple. I'm all set. <laughs> it's like, you're all Apparently canceled. I have a Everyone's time just like, oh no, our livelihood. And she's just like, screw you guys. I don't care. What's great about documentary I'm doing now, the fucking, uh, fucking all that revival in a couple, <laughs> couple of years. The great thing about um, documentary now is the show originally started as just for Bill Hader and for Fred, Fred Armisen. Armisen. Mm-hmm. And then as they got more you know, work, mm-hmm. they basically let other people take over each episode and the fact that they gave John Mulaney his own episode and uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Kate Blanchett gets her own. Michael Keaton was in the premiere this season. See, I need to watch all of these. It's, cra- it's one of those things that I've always been like, I need to watch this. And I keep yeah, me, forgetting me too. to this, watch it. Me too. This is the first documentary now episode I've ever seen. It, and it's, yeah. it's my favorite show. And I, 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 like, I, I have to so see much. the Grey Gardens one. That's that's the pilot. Right. Sandy and Passage. I, and I adore Grey Gardens and everything about it. The joke is they keep killing men, but then um, then you find out they're like vampires. <laughs> Grey Gardens? <laughs> That would have been a great ending to the real documentary yeah. to make it a little less sad. Um, and yeah. then they also do the Thin Blue Line. My favorite documentary of all time is uh, the kid stays in the pit. The kid stays in the pictures, which is based on the life of Bob Evans, Robert Evans, the man who was producer of Paramount from like 1972 till about 1996 Mm -hmm. producer and debaucherous sex and drug monster robert evans yes but it's bill Hader as as uh this robert evans type and (laughs) he does the greatest robert evans like bob evans is a monster but i just whenever i like write a movie or or our screenplay i hear his voice in my head going god damn kid this movie's fucking great (laughs) Where's the cocaine? <laughs> I just always picture that famous Patton Oswalt bit <laughs> with uh, with uh, Robert Evans doing Sports Center like uh, promos. Gadget. <laughs> so, what did you like about this episode? Like, were the songs catchy? Well, you said you're gonna have a song stuck in your head all day. The brown and the beige, and the brown and the beige, and the brown and the beige, and the beige and the brown. I think while the lyrics were funny, the lyrics didn't hearken as much to Sondheim as the the, The music music really did. The orchestrations were dead on. That's so crazy that they captured this like element of Stephen Sondheim. Also, um, what's her name? Renee Elise Goldsberry from Hamilton. She like. She's the star of this, and you don't even know who she's supposed to be. Right. And the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the brown. I'm laying my dreams on you. I already bought a fondue. And the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the beige and the brown. With the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige. I just I just find how you can see her 
so happy when she's recording, but if you watch carefully, she is just going crazy that she's still there. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. She like what he calls it, Coop the musical. And she's like, <laughs> Um, and that also brings us back to Taryn Killam, who is hysterical when he's like, I know two things. It's women and what's exactly gonna happen in the future. <laughs> She'll I mean, he a- he accurately depicts that Paula Pell's character comes back. Yeah, when when with, Paula Pell with blue blocker glasses on. Yeah, <laughs> when she comes back with the blue blockers, <laughs> that killed me. She- I want to go to the eye doctor, as stated previously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, didn't we also think of uh, Robert Lopez, who wrote uh, Avenue Q and Book of Mormon? I do believe that was him. I think that was him as one of the background singers who just, I'm going to call him Twisting Guy, because all he does while he's singing is he just like- Oh, he does. He twists left and right, and like everyone else is just standing there. <laughs> and he's like giving his all. He's like, I don't have any lines, but this is going to be my Emmy winning moment. <laughs> he's, just, he's just feeling his muse right there. Yeah. And his muse is telling him to shuck and jive. <laughs> so, um, because you haven't ever seen documentary now until now, Helen Mirren introduces every episode. I love it. That is so great. Yeah, she's like, hello, I am Helen Mirren. And they give her like this backstory, and she has to say some of the most ridiculous things, mm-hmm. and she says it with the straightest of straight faces. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's another thing that I really liked about I mean, this episode and it's probably like this probably applies across the board to all the documentary now, but I get the same kind of vibe from this that I get from like the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. Yes. In which exactly. like it's ridiculous characters acting completely mundane and normal as if right. nothing is wrong. Completely. And seriously. no one's like no one's like playing it up for laughs or anything like that. It's right. it's all just so good. And like, as I mentioned, this is the first documentary now episode. I didn't know that they opened it with like a montage of actual legit documentaries. Yeah, that, yeah. that's before the introducing like their thing. Yeah, that's. Ex- I thought that was so great. That's really how cool. they do it. Um, I'm trying to find the quote that opens up the the episode, the the text that he wrote. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that, when he died, I felt nothing. <laughs> um. I can't find it, but so it's written in such a John Mulaney way. You can literally hear his voice as like, you're reading it. Yeah, like uh, I got a phone call from uh, Remy Lee who wanted to do basically a bunch of documentaries about musicals that are being recorded. And I said to him, of course, as you know, I need money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is such a John Mulaney thing. It is. It is. <laughs> as you know, I need money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah it's like that one line from the like the season three premiere of rick and morty it's like i can tell you how to do that for money for money (laughs) um so yeah uh you've seen how oh hello on broadway right uh no i haven't on i've heard i've heard where it originated on comedy bang bang yep where it was just uh, John Mulaney and uh, Nick Kroll and Nick mm-hmm. Kroll just riffing while Scott Ackerman tried <laughs> not to lose his shit. <laughs> and and uh, the first one was with Lizzie Kaplan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, his writing style for Oh Hello is very similar to his writing style in general. So mm-hmm. like when stuff goes off the rails, like here when 
you find out like the thing that's going to cause the problems in like the first five minutes where you know oh hello they plant the seed that it's um nick kroll almost becoming the voice of cbs right <laughs> and here it's the show getting canceled in the first it's two CBS, minutes baby! it's cbs baby <laughs> <laughs> Uh, CBS? All right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the catalyst is the show getting canceled, and you can see them like really pissed off throughout the entire Mm -hmm. episode that, like, why are we still here? And the orchestra's like, we're getting paid anyways, and we're going to get a new gig. Um, Also, with the orchestra, I love the the first person we see is not them, it's none of the famous people. It's this guy who plays trumpet, and he's grabbed the wrong case. He grabbed his son's. He just uh, opens up his case, and there's an algebra book in it. Right. Oh, man. Tommy and I have switched again. I need my trumpet. Uh, and the costumes of the orchestra were just the fantastic. costumes of everyone. Of everyone. My favorite costume is... um. It's either John Mulaney's or it's James Urbaniak's James Lapine mm-hmm. with the the dicky. Yes. No, not the dicky. The, the ascot. Ascot. Yeah, cravat. The cravat. Uh, and the tinted glasses that make him look like a porn director. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be uh, Robert Evans, James Lapine's, like James Lapine. Yeah, and Robert makes him look like a porn director. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the stretch. The stretch character is um, wearing exactly what she wore but then the best is on day two she wears like the iconic stretch look of like the long white dress shirt with In the black with, pants with b- traditionally stretch wore black like nylons with it and like no pants they didn't do that but the nod to it was fantastic because <laughs> it was just for a tiny little bit of the whole thing but it was like i saw that i get i get that <laughs> patty darling that was great Come on in here. It's Simon. You you really drove it home. Someone please help her. She's blind. As a <laughs> She's bat. blind. As a bat. She's been walking into things. Yeah, I can't say enough great things about Richard Kind. I just love him. He's great in everything. You said you and were he's everywhere. You, you saw him at a play? I did. Um so he was in uh so a Gunquit Playhouse in Maine. They're like super famous for getting these like c-list actors to be in shows for them. i'm not a c-list actor <laughs> like i saw rue mcclanahan right before she died in crazy for you up there you killed rue mcclanahan I killed rue mcclanahan and the mother of uh the should fr- you be telling Fran us Drescher this in the nanny i saw her in a oh show. renee um renee whatever renee taylor is. yes um and richard kind was due to star as um nathan detroit in guys and dolls Lock be a lady tonight. And I went and saw the show right beforehand. So he was in rehearsals and he came to see the same show. And I'm like, freaking Richard Kind is in here watching this show. With Hello, me. This David. We're lovely. just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hello, David. How'd you know my name? I know all of my fans' names. <laughs> Tell your friend Scott I say, Hello. <laughs> Hello. I know every David. Um, so the line that, that gets me uh, when he's doing the Christmas tips is a tree that's planted in Tel Aviv uh, for a wedding gift. That is something. So when Haley and I um, got married, we got in the mail, we got, you know, cards and gifts of people who couldn't make the wedding. But one thing we got from a relative 
on my side. <laughs> oh, is this the? We, we I, I think I know what this is. Yeah, we got so we got a card that said "Mazel Tov on your wedding. A tree has been planted in Israel in your name." And I turned to Haley and I go, "There's no tree. There's no tree." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we thought, we thought about planting it though. <laughs> and Haley is like, no, I want to see. I want to go to. I want to go to Israel. And I want to see my tree. Damn it! That, that's your tree over over there. That one. That's yours. And yeah, I just pictured someone being like, uh, it's uh, there, and just pointing to some random tree. And I, I'm the type of person to be like, okay, let's get back on the plan. Let's go. <laughs> this is how we've decided to spend our vacation. Remember. My name's not on that tree. Wait, what's what's your name, Scott? All right. There that's you go. a post-it. Yeah, that's how and we that's do it. And that's Scott here. with one T. We're just waiting for the plaque to come in. I met a person whose name is Scott with one T. And oh, there's Scott's with one T for yeah. sure. It, it throws me off because it makes me realize when people are like, is that Scott with one T or two Ts? I'm like, it's two. Well, I get the same with my last name. Prescott yep. with two Ts or one. Who, who have you met with a Prescott with one T? Yep, the ever, Duke of Prescottington. Oh, right. You ever you ever do a thing where like you see a name that like like Scott with two T's, and then you just see it written out like slightly differently, not radically differently, but Scott with one T, and you just accidentally read it in your head as Scott. Scott, like nope, there must be me? a different okay. pronunciation because it's spelled differently. Well, growing up in middle school. I was one of I was the only boy with the name Scott, but there was a there girl. Named Scott? There was a girl named Scotland. Scotland, like the country. Yes, but she pronounced it Scotland. When you were growing up, did you think that Scotland was like your country, and that one day you were going to be able to return to your people? I did return to my people. Oh, I, good. I got to perform in the play in Scotland. Um, but. Yeah, well, I thought it was a typo because it was. On, I found out this girl existed because I was doing theater, as you do when you are pale and a chubby eleven-year-old boy. <laughs> uh, and my last name is Curland. I thought that it was a typo, and I thought oh, it that it was you, <laughs> but that they had just omitted the beginning of your last name. Yeah, I'm like, why am I playing Kim McAfee? <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what that means, of course. Why am I playing Rosie in Bye Bye Bird? Somewhere out there, there's a negative Scott, like the evil polar opposite of you with the name Kerr Scotland. (laughs) And someday the two of you will meet. Or Otker. Fight over your homeland. And then a horrible epic battle will ensue that will bring about the end of all civilization. I hope they have the other half of this amulet that I'm holding (laughs) in my hand right now. I've I've been wondering about so many episodes, I've never once asked you about the amulet. Well, (laughs) if I tell you, then I have to kill you. Okay. (laughs) We're millennials, we're down for that. (laughs) You see, after uh, when I was born, my parents found me in a (laughs) cornfield, this rocket ship. In a cornfield? <laughs> yes, I landed. I'm from another planet with this other half of this amulet. <laughs> now you all must die. <laughs> uh, which reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Third Rock from the Sun. As you know, being a John Lithgow yes. fanatic like me. By is, legit French, with legit French tour and, and not Quebecois right. tour. <laughs> um, when someone asks you what time it is, you don't say time to die. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah as we come to the end what are your biggest takeaways with this episode like i picked this because it's my birthday month i can do whatever the fuck i want 
Um, and it's I my just, party. I'll do with I'll do what I want to month. And I was trying to decide whether or not to do the two part, you know, kid stays in the pictures or this one. And I just have so much fun. And these songs are so goddamn catchy. They're a lot of fun. Um, especially I always get stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, the I'm just about. Uh, I just blew a rail. I'm about to shit my pants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can get some. How happy he says that is just so. He's so ashamed. The rest of the song, and then, like, oh god, like I'm the so enti- sorry. Like the entire prelude of the song was just build up to him going to get more cocaine. Oh, you're okay with me doing coke? Then I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I love how she's doing cocaine too. Yes, and like, like, uh, like I have to leave the party. I'm so ashamed. Well, I love how the song starts. See you at Carol singing. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cocaine. <laughs> no, I just I just love any time. We both like cocaine. <laughs> there's a there's a Mr. Show sketch where like Bob Odenkirk is connected to um to a lie detector test and they're asking him all these questions that get more and more ridiculous and not once does he set the lie detector off. And like at one point it reaches like like have you ever done dr- have you ever done drugs? Yes. No response. Have you ever done marijuana? Yes. Have you ever done heroin? Yes. Have you done cocaine? Yes. Wow. What's it like? It's great. It's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Their book is uh great. The book of um Hollywood, Hollywood said, said no. no. Um, I've got that. It's good. It's so yeah, good. I I just love in their screenplay when um they fake a little kid getting trapped in a well, and when they get discovered, they pretend that they were part of they were trapped too. So then it writes, "Cut to us in blankets <laughs> with cups of cocoa." <laughs> that that lie detector test has one of my favorite lines of anything ever. Like after so many questions, they ask, "Have you ever stolen anything from a previous job?" Yes. What was that job? NASA. Oh, what? You steal a spaceship or something? No, just some pens and some plans. <laughs> what kind of plans? Space plans. <laughs> Space plans. <laughs> well, the writing for Mr. Show is very similar to the writing of Documentary Now. Yeah, like, I got that too. Um, so some of the... They, they were probably very like influenced by Mr. Show, yeah. like so many people in that alternative comedy scene were. I mean, some of the episodes are... You have... Sandy Passage, which is Grey Gardens, but they do uh, Nanook of the North, mm-hmm. um, and basically you find out that the the um, Inuit actor that they hire, who's played by Fred Armisen, basically becomes like this Martin Scorsese style director as they're making it, and he had all of these revolutionary ideas of filmmaking, but because John Slattery, who plays the the director of the movie that they were making didn't come up with it. He just throws it all out the window, even though he starts <laughs> making this movie. <laughs> um, and also it has the best prosthetic makeup for Bill Hader ever. They turn him into like a 70 year old man. Oh. Um, the show is brilliant. Like I can't say enough good things. They do a whole bunch of, uh, they do talking heads. Stop making sense. Oh, I definitely got to see that one. Um, what else? <laughs> I mean, this season alone was crazy. They they do um, 
There's this documentary about so, so like every episode is based on a specific documentary. Documentary, exactly. Okay. Um, they did uh, the documentary "Hero Dreams of Sushi," but uh, it's called "One Dreams of Chicken and Rice," <laughs> and it's about a f- family restaurant that only has one dish, and it's the world's greatest chicken and rice. That's it. Give the chicken and rice guys a run for their money. Yeah. That's all it is. It. That's it. So yeah, um, as we come to the end, as you know, we have a bagel basket on a scale of one to thirteen. If you're in the Midwest, it's a bagel basket. Oh God, don't start. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to thirteen, one is shit. Thirteen's great. How many bagels are left in this basket for this episode of Co-op the Musical? Twelve. Not quite 13. I mean, it could be a little bit better. The, yeah. the lyrics could be a little bit better, but I think the capturing of the time period. They use the real microphones that they used. Yeah, just the, the perfect capture of the music and the style of the 70s and just the attitudes of the actors. And yeah, no, it was it was great. They also shot it on the cameras they used, too. Mm. They actually shot it on film. Um. I guess I would also give it 12. Just the only one bagel I'm taking out was, you know, by my own, you know, by my own fault, since I've never, ever seen any episodes of Documentary Now before. So that's really, you know, a a penalty bagel more than anything for me. And I'm going to take both of your bagels. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I'm giving bagels. Are you mad? (laughs) I'm giving this a perfect dozen because it's one of my favorite series. Um, There are episodes that are like, sevens out of 13 there are Mm. episodes that this one is like in the top tier what they do with the writing how great you know the performances are and i can never get enough james urbaniak like he's the he's delightful he's so good in everything he just never get enough richard kind hello (laughs) you're the real artist so tell me am i bad at acting and singing (laughs) (laughs) The look on his face is like he's so alarmed. Am I terrible? I feel like that's a real thing Richard Kind might ask somebody. Do you know who his one of his best friends is? Who? George Clooney. Oh my god. Clooney was his best man at his wedding. Why? How did they meet? I well I mean Hollywood, but Yeah. Well, Clooney was kicking around doing crappy sitcoms before he became Yeah. He was on The Facts of Life. He played George, the handyman. I know. Um, so yeah, um, I'm having you guys back for an episode of Psych, which will be later this month. So we'll tease that now because this is at the beginning of the month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing something special towards the end of the month. So thank you both for being here. Lils, do you want to promote your podcast? Uh, my podcast is called Jukebox Zeros. I do it with my, uh, I do it with my friend Patrick S. Barry. And it's a podcast where we take a look at albums from history that are considered some of the worst or most infamous of all time and just sort of reevaluate and reassess them. And um, as I mean, as of the I don't know when this is, episode is coming out, but it'll probably not be out by then. But our next episode is going to be on uh, might be a bit controversial. We're doing Anthem of the Peaceful Army by Greta Van Fleet, who many people have compared to the new worst Nickelback, which I don't agree with, but I guess we'll find I out. I don't agree with either. <laughs> Some people also call them the new Led Zeppelin. 
I mean, they're not worse than Nickelback as long as Imagine Dragons is around in my case, as far as I'm concerned. How can you hate a band where the lead singer looks like Sammy Hagar and it's not Sammy Hagar? (laughs) That's Greta Van Fleet. That guy has the biggest afro. (laughs) They're the weirdest little group of guys. It's so cute. (laughs) They look like a bunch of guys who met at like an AA meeting and they're like, hey, want to start a band? Well, it beats drinking. Okay. So here, here's a fun fact that I was originally not going to give away until the podcast. They're from a place called Frankenmuth, Michigan, yeah. which is only famous because it has the world's biggest year-round Christmas store. Yeah. That's so sad. It's very weird. <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a great podcast. I've been on a bunch of times. Oh, I, yeah. And I might be on a and few more, too. And not to give anything away, but we're probably going to have them back for something really dumb. Oh, I'm always really on for dumb. the. Re- I I already know what it is. And it is really dumb. Um, <laughs> it is really dumb. I'm. But I was on know, the Corey Feldman. I was on the Corey Feldman episode. Oh, I was it's on, almost like that's foreshadowing for a future episode. I was on um the worst David Bowie album ever tonight. Oh. I I tell them whatever you have that's terrible and dumb. I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't want to put other people through it, just. Me Make up. me the martyr. And I took these people and I made them humble. <laughs> so if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T. Um, that's Writer's Bagel Basket. You can find us on Instagram at Writer's Bagel Basket. Everything's there. Vowels, all the kidding caboodle. Um, you can like us on Facebook and you can email us if you have ideas. I got an email this week and it was spam. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually uh, just a bunch of random letters. So my <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, luckily the way our email works is they monitor it first, and they're like, "This is definitely spam. Get rid of it." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so uh, random letters that just so happen to be arranged to tell you about how you can get much larger, glorious pen. <laughs> pen is <laughs> pen is uh, pen fifteen. Pen 15, yeah. So until next time, I'm Scott Curland. I'm David Prescott. And I'm also here. (laughs) I'm Lils. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.